Nightwalkers and Gigolos. Pour a glass of absinthe for Toulouse-Lautrec. Make sure you get the cash up front. And she honked on my claghorns till I schmortzandoed. Hey there, sailor. It's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> How much to talk tall to you? How much for you to talk tall to me? <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are that desperate act known as the Feckless Moans. And this, Roxanne, is Talk Tell to Me. An evening's punt through the red light district of Prague Rock, in which not on the mouth, Nick, and <laughs> off the clock Omen, will massage to popping each and every track that renegade rock band Jethro Tull have ever strapped, wrapped, and tapped. We will take some much-needed relaxation at the Martin Bar Massage Parlor, do a dodgy diddling dalliance at the David Pegg Dance and Dash, and pick a peck of pickled prostitution with Don Perry. And if we put on our highest hottie heels, perfume our paws, and kick a slightly creaky can-can, we may catch the flying fingers of the flouncing flautist, the paper-act programmer, the sultry saxophonist, a man so sexy he became his own pimp, Ian, take a picture to last longer, Anderson. <laughs> <sighs> there have been many pictures taken of that man. There have been many pictures taken of Ian Anderson. You know, one thing that I was thinking about you know, I was, I was fantasizing, as I often do, about if we ever get to talk to Ian directly. And one of the things I want to ask him is, how does it feel to be a sex symbol? When was Ian a sex symbol? <laughs> when has he not been a sex symbol? I think sex symbol is a bit generous there. He's, I think he's, he's gone out of his way to not be a sex symbol. I know there are and times yet- when people find him sultry. And yet we, I was going to say, we know from the internet that if it exists, someone will find it very appealing. Fair enough. So whether he accepts it or not, I think, I mean, at some point he must have realized there are some people who want me sexually. (laughs) I can't wait for that day to happen for me. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I'm sure, but I mean, I don't think there's, I, I could be very wrong. But it just doesn't feel like the band ever went kind of in that direction. So it would always be something of a like a, a novelty so for him to be considered a, a sex symbol, if at all, you know? That's what's so sexy about Jethro Tull is that they don't even try. They try they actively try to not be sex symbols. And that's just hotter. And that's it. That's it. Nick, speaking of which, before we talk about the song about which we're talking Tull about today, is there anything about else which we are talking before we do that talking? Before I say that, let me say something. Please tell me. (laughs) I guess we could do a couple of album notes. Um, Let's do that. We don't have that many for this this album, so I might as well get them out of the way here. So we've got, let's see, a quote The antidote of the more cheerful crest of a knave, its mostly dark subject matter of alienation and desolation, except for the absurd kissing Willie, an all-too-regrettable, unsubtle piece of saucy innuendo. Benny Hill would have been proud of that one. But the song (laughs) Strange Avenues is still a favorite of mine, and another Christmas song, too, which talks of origins and cultural identity. That comes from Ian, yep. Interesting. What do you know when that quote was spake? I think it was in the early 2000s when the, these interviews from one of the, the Tall magazines that I have, they, it was like the, this is the Jethro Tall issue of Prague magazine, and they kind of just compiled all of the Tall tidbits and put them all in one. Um, but sure. I'm pretty sure it was it was later in the years. He was basically a, a rundown of like, tell me about this album, and then and tell me about this album. And then, so it was just kind of a, just a quick little blurb about that. Interesting to compare this and say that it's the darker antidote to to crest to crest because I, I wouldn't describe crest as being you know light and frothy exactly no but is it lighter than rock island i guess we'll find out by the time we get to the end of this album i can certainly hope yes hey siri set a reminder for me to think about that at the end of this album 
The only other blurb that I have, we're going to save until Big Riff and Mando because it gives us literally mm. a sentence about Big Riff and Mando. So stay tuned no. until the second to last song off of this album. So Nick, for today, what is the song about which we are talking tall? We are going to talk the fourth song off of this album. We're going to talk Undressed to Kill. I will disrobe my ears so that we can have a listen. Meow. Nick. Five and a half minutes. Omen. That's all it takes. It's above average. It's more than enough time. What a song. What a song indeed. Before we even went into this, when you knew last week that we were going into Undressed to Kill, what was your anticipation about this song? You know, this song is a bit of fun for me because I've been actually listening to this album more than I have some of the other albums that we're less less familiar with. I wanted to get a bit more familiar with this album, so I've had a chance to listen to this song a number of times. And kind of going back to that Ian quote that you read, I think the thing that I like about it is we're getting into this dark, dirty vibe musically that I really enjoy. We're moving toward Catfish. And I listened to Catfish recently. And I was like, why do I like this so much? And it's so just dank and dirty and gross and like skeezy. And, I'll, you know, wow, I love it. This is moving in that direction, and so I like it thematically and musically. I also, I thought that this song was going to give me the ick a little bit because of the content. And I find that it does not so much. Yeah, I think that's the biggest note for me is, uh, Ian, I know Ian lumps this with Kissing Willie almost, just in terms of blatant innuendo, but I don't think this is nearly as bad. I think musically, it's a lot more forgiving. Kissing Willie just sounds gross. The Musically, it sounds gross. Sounds gross until you try it. Fair enough. I have not tried it yet. But this one, there's like a maturity to the sound with this one that makes it a little more palatable in terms of the, the content, I think. And content-wise, I also think that this song has a level of self-awareness to it that to me makes the content itself a bit more palatable. Whereas, you know, a song like Hot Nights in Budapest, where you're not, I feel, you know, we were like, I'm not sure yeah. if it's self-aware or not self-aware. That's where I, that's where I get, I, you know, get the ick with content. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Kissing Willie was, it had a self-awareness? Oh, yeah. It's so tongue-in-cheek. Well, something-in-cheek. Well, I mean, certainly... You have to think that when you see the music video, like there's no way that they, they made that thinking like, <laughs> oh, this is art. This is perfect. This, no. this is art. <laughs> and even before the music video, I, I got the sense from Kissing Willie that it, it's very self-aware. It's very, yeah. it's silly. Yeah. It's a song about, it's a song about BJ. I think it's very big balls. It's very balls by ACDC. There's an awareness yes. there. It's obvious. You can't play coy with it. This one, I don't no. think it needs to play coy. This one is direct. It's not that much innuendo, I, I think. It's pretty much a song about, about what it's about. It's about a working girl. Right, and there, there's not much that needs to be innuendoed. And it's not, you know, Roxanne. It's not, you know, the moral dilemma of the surrounding sex work. It's just, here was a moment where this character encounters and has some thoughts about a sex worker. Right. And that's it. And that's it. It's not even graphic. No, it's just a simple, like, a little moment in time, and we are privy to this character's brain for the briefest of moments, and then, and then we go on. Yeah. It is rather tame. I mean, there's a little, there's a little naughtiness there, but it's all, all told it's fairly tame. I think the naughtiness comes from the wordplay more than anything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we'll get into that in the second Ooh. half. Ooh. We will play with those words. Let's talk about the music. Nick, how does this music, what does this music do for you, content aside? Uh, it's funky. I like a funk. There's a good dark funk to it. 
we're really starting to get that feel of Martin's guitar of this era of Martin's guitar. Yeah. Slightly not flarian, not super quite yet. It's got his own little style to it, but there is that there is the very specific Martin style of this era yes. of this quartet of albums. We're starting to see that develop more and more. The song itself does have a nice dark dankness that really does set the stage for this bar at working on the late shift's first drink of the day. So, I mean, what, like two in the morning or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. our character walking into a really late night bar where it's probably pretty dingy. Yeah, there's a seediness about this song, which, yes. which comes through in the music. Interestingly, there are, of course, there are changes in the music throughout the song. There are rhythmic and key changes in the song. But it sits pretty, it sits quite a lot of the time in that riff that we get off the bat. Down, ticka ticka bow, wow, wow, ticka pa pa bow, wow, wow. That's, I would say, 50% of the song, which is unusual for a soul song to have that much of it dedicated to one musical motif, riff. One motif, one riff, one riff-tif. Yeah. Ian's voice does a lot of work in this one. Yes. He does play that very musically. There is a lot of fluctuation. From verse to verse, it's repetitive sonically, but through that verse, there is a lot of up and down, and he does take us here and there, and he he changes with the music as well, but but it's it's very prominent here. The way that everything is structured, I think it feels like this could be the band that was playing in that bar earlier in the evening. Oh, sure, yeah. Some of the musical gestures, it's fairly down-tempo, feels a little bit like, you know, it sits comfortably, Mm. dum, dum. Dun, dun. Sometimes we have Don Perry doing a little backbeat cymbal. Mm-hmm. We have that coming in occasionally in the between verses. There's a really great fill that Don Perry does before the first undress to kill. Can it meet the eyes of a working girl? Undress to kill. PJV is coming in with a lot of subtle gestures. This is one of the songs he did some extra work on, and there's a little bit, I think you can kind of hear it in the back where it's just like a... He's just playing kind of one chord and just giving it some texture, giving some texture to the song. Yeah, it's an organ setting, I think. Yeah, something like that. It's not so front. No. Even Ian's flute is taking back burner here. So this brings something up that I was thinking about the other day. One of the bonus tracks on the Rock Island 2006 re-release. And it's literally just him, it sounds like, with a, with a, you know, a good mic. And just saying, all right, we're going to play this one backstage. And it's interesting to hear his intros. They do locomotive breath with just Martin and Ian. Oh, girl. One electric guitar, one flute, one voice, and that is it. And it is, you know, for anyone, I, I think that we, we've chosen not to take sides in the does Tall require it to be Martin? But if you listen to that track, it is a strong argument for the Jethro Tull is Martin and Ian argument. Because it's incredible what the two of them are able to do with just literally two instruments in one voice. It's amazing. And Martin is doing so much with the guitar to fill in its locomotive breath. Locomotive breath, would you believe? One, two, three, four, one. But that's besides the point. Martin is doing amazing work in this song, and I think that we're getting into the era of him offering more and more because he's been there for so long. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. The band, I mean, I'm really inclined to think that at least half of the reason for the sound trajectory that we're seeing from starting 
to the folk trilogy, to the 80s, to where we are now in, in this kind of darker, modern folk, hard rock, mm. whatever sound where Martin is is so prominent. That sound roller coaster got to be as much Martin as it is Ian dictating that sound. It's got to be. And how do you draw the lines within a collaboration? It's impossible. Right. Ian did not say, okay, Martin, you have to play these notes in this way. Use this pedal, tune it this way, use this guitar. He didn't. There's no way he did. Did he? Maybe sometimes he made suggestions. Yeah, of course. Sure. But I do think that as we're getting later, further into these albums, I, I do, I agree there's more Martin's influence. Let's gently back away from this live wire issue. The precipice, yeah. At 148, there is some wonderful voice and flute honking where Ian is doing, he's playing notes on the flute. He's also doing the voiced breathing through the flute and then also, I think, singing on top of it. So it's kind of a great mix there. Yeah, very fun. We've got Martin doing beautiful note bending all the way through. At 238, Martin's sultry guitar break mm. starts. We have a tambourine being played very erotically behind that. Could only be Ian. Could only be Ian, yep. Oh, and then the biggest rhythmic change that we have to this song is at 424, where suddenly, and without warning, we go to double time. So this song is pretty much in... I, I, as far as I can tell, is straight 4-4. Four, four. Mm -hmm. two, three, four. First drink of the day, 4-1. And then suddenly, you can hear it, it, it does that. And I think it's the same tempo, it's just double-timing it suddenly. Yeah. So playing, compressing where the beats are a little bit. playing half notes as opposed to whole notes? Yeah, it gives the impression that you're playing it twice as fast. Okay. But it's, it's the same number of beats per minute. Yeah, it's. I think actually what you just said is everything that you were playing as a whole note, you play as a half note. Yeah, right. You cut everything in half. Math. Like Solomon. Like Solomon, yeah. If you really love this note, you'll let it be cut in half. No, no, <laughs> let her have the note. It's fine. Let her have the note. All right, it's, it's your music. Ah, you are the note mother. <laughs> the note mother. <laughs> at the wind down of the song at about 4.44, we have some wonderful calling and responses, calls and response on a descending minor scale. Ba -da, ba -da, hmm. Kind of going back and forth between a number of instruments. I love that. For me, that's the kind of most delicate, interesting part of the song. Yeah. And then a classic fade out at the end. Classic fade out. Five and a half minutes. It's a long one. Does it feel as long as it is? It feels about four and a half minutes. A long four and a half <laughs> minutes, but it feels four and a half. It's not arduous. It's not like, oh, when's this song going to end? But it's also <laughs> not like, oh, that was a, that was a zipper. That was quick, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's the right line. No complaints. Period. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to halfway, ladies and gentlemen. We are hey. halfway there. Here we are, halfway. Take a break. Rehydrate. Halfway. Halfway there. Halfway there. We have a new writer in her. What? New email, new writer in her. so exciting that is dreadfully exciting so this is from scott p scotty p <gasps> writes in scott p i wonder what the p stands for felonious pistachio <laughs> the subject is honest girl ah honest girl was i think the most recent well not the most recent but 
last week's. It was recent. Not this week's, yeah. Message. This is the first time I've heard this song. Oh, wow. I enjoyed your critique. I thought the musical pace and the goal of the music was similar to Peabroke, but it did not quite achieve the same impact. Mm. So let's go back and, and readdress real quick. Honest Girl, we thought of as basically Pussy Willow 2.0. Yeah, and significantly, it was very much a demo track, not a fully produced track. Correct, correct. Regarding your meeting of the lyrics, I think y'all hit all the notes except one where in her work world, she was the straightest of arrows, but didn't get any feedback. This is contrast to what y'all mentioned in the personal world where she went out and shoplifted. She did something a little bit bad. And at the same time, she got some positive feedback for being an honest girl. Uh-huh. Quite often we see people act up to get a little attention for whatever that hmm. is worth. Very valid. Uh, yeah, Scott. Thank you for writing in, Mr. P. And that's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. You know, I think that if you look at why do children misbehave, often it's to get attention. It's because they're shits. Well, often I think it's because it's they're not getting appropriate attention at home. And so they they don't understand that there are different ways, there, there are different kinds of attention. All they know is if I do this, people will pay attention to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that uh, Working Girl is a very focused version of that. Great thoughts, Scotty P. Thank you, Scotty P. From? From, I don't have, I don't have a look at, from the internet. From parts unknown. From and made of parts <laughs> unknown. It's a Futurama. That feels very Futurama, yeah. Omen said, here we are to oh. talk. Talk undressed to kill. To me. What's our title? What's the play on the title here? Aha, yes. Well, you know, I, I think in one of the blurbs that we read about this album, Ian was saying, I'm kind of taking on the persona of a tough guy, a machismo guy, but it's fun to play with words. And that's that's something that is that we see consistently throughout all of Ian's writing. It's fun to play with the words, and I agree. So the phrase that he's playing with is dressed to kill. Right. As in dressed up, dressed to the nines. Right. Dressed to kill is generally dressed in such a manner to attract attention, to make to make an impression. Right. In 1980, there was a Brian De Palma film called Dressed to Kill. It was an American oh. erotic psychological thriller. Ooh, I'm thrilled. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Oh! Michael Caine was erotically thrilling? Spoiler alert. Yes, he was. <laughs> he just retired. He just announced his retirement. Good for him. He's got to be pretty darn old. He said, I am 90 years old. And I don't want to do films anymore. And so I won't. I'm bloody tired. I'm Michael Caine. I need a bloody nap. Master Bruce, go away. Master Bruce, shut the door on you. Caine. Caine out. <laughs> well, I, which I respect. I mean, just, just yeah, having right. anyone say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to retire now. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're done. That's great. We're done here. So yeah, Undressed Kill, of course, is a play on that. Do you reckon that Ian heard the phrase and was like, oh, oh, dressed to kill, undressed to kill, and then like back created the song because of that? Like, I have to I create a song called Undressed to Kill. Let's go from here. You know, the fact that it's in the chorus makes me think that he came up with it in the process of writing this song and then was like, that's great. I'm going to make that the theme. That's possible. Yeah, that's definitely possible. And I think that's a writing, you know, that's a, we're people who play with words. Play with and <laughs> I'm playing with something right now. It's a word. Don't worry. Word. You know, it's easy to reverse things. If you think, uh, what's that, ta the tax program, QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. Immediately you can think, well, slow books. Slow scroll. What would that mean? Yeah. Slow scroll. Yeah. Like. Um, other examples that make sense here. And other examples that make sense here. You know, whiteout, blackout. Yeah. You can play with things. Those, you know, you can play. I went out to the bar and I totally whited out. <laughs> well, in Mexico, New York, yes, you will white out. I, you have to put on sunglasses because <laughs> it's so white here. So white. And I'm not just talking about the snow. Mm -hmm. Lots of Caucasians. Yes. So undressed to kill. I mean, already we know oops, something's up. Mm, yeah. Something's funny. Yeah. Let's dive in. Working on the late shift, first drink of the day. Working on the late 
hinted that maybe this is a 2 a.m. I was thinking this is more 6 or 7 a.m. Oh, that early. Okay, yeah. Like the graveyard Because if you work shift. on, well, I guess, yeah, it depends on what the night shift is. Yeah. You know, first through third shifts are usually 7 to 3, 3 to 11, 11 to 7. Hmm, okay. If he's on the 3 to 11, it could be, you know, toward midnight. But the fact that he says first drink of the day, that makes me think he's worked all night. The sun is rising and he's decided to go down and have a pint. Right. Yeah, that would make sense. Regardless, it's it feels like it's a time that's novel enough to mention when you're drinking, why you're drinking, you know? Yes. And the setting of it feels skeezy. Yeah. We're clearly getting into yet another blue collar song. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Prominent through this whole quartet is is the blue collar working song. There's no late shifts in the banking world. Correct. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. You're working the steel mill. You're working the the glue factory. The glue factory. <laughs> the glue mines. This almost feels tradition where it's like, you know, you obviously your shift ends, you go drink. Yep. Yep. But this occurrence of this woman is obviously not a regular thing. Possibly. Possibly. I agree. Yep. Yep. Uh, something new. That's why it warrants this song is because this is something new that's happening. Uh, I'm not just sitting uh, here uh. at the bar with Bill and Tom and Frank over there, you know? Or it could be, you know, a lot of times workers, shift workers move around, you know? Oh, especially like if it's the oil industry or the gas industry, you know, maybe maybe he's down down the shore a bit. That's true. All of that supposition fleshed out. Pull a chair up to the table, have to look the other way. What kind of place am I in and who's this over here? Pull the chair up to the table, have to look the other way. What kind of place am I in? Who's this over here? I think that backs your your argument that he maybe he is moving around. What kind of place am I in? This is his first time here, you know? Which would mean, if we look at it from the perspective of a sex worker, you might think, ooh, a potential new client, fresh meat, never seen you around here. Mm. That gives me an in to conversation. Yeah, right. Shaking through the silver bubbles, climbing through my beer. Shaking through the silver bubbles, climbing through my beer. Interesting line. He is seeing her through the beer. That's where he first sees her. And he's got to go, what? And like look over the beer and just like wipes the steam off of his glasses. Every like 80s stereotype you can think of when you see, when you see right, a beautiful right, right. woman. Yeah, I, I, you know, it also, it reminds me of, I'm thinking of when I was doing carpentry, occasionally I would do overnights. Mm. And I remember one time in New York, I did an overnight loadout. And then I did go and get a, a beer first thing in the morning. Yeah. And you already feel that kind of like, oh, the world is weird. The world is fuzzy. Everything's yeah. like, you feel a little bit off. And so it's almost easy to get hypnotized by like watching the, the bubbles. Yeah. So maybe he's being hypnotized by his drink. He's being hypnotized by this working girl. Right. The gyrations. Yeah. Won't let it move me, but I can't sit skill. Could you meet the eyes of a working girl undressed to kill? I love the the paradox here of, like, he clearly recognizes, oh, this is somebody who's doing sex work that is open for business. Mm. And I'm not going to fall into that trap. He perceives it as a trap. He, he's not going to be moved by it. And yet, he can't sit still. And yet, he is captivated. He is perhaps aroused. He's honeypotted. Is there any chance that she could be a stripper and not a sex worker? I'm trying to find something in the lyrics here that's like definitively one or the other. Well, some people would argue that stripping or erotic dancing is under the umbrella of sex work. Okay, so I mean stripper versus prostitute then. Because the brushing silken dollars on her cold white skin leads me to believe stripper. Jumping up on the table, putting tonic in my gin. Very stripper. There was a teardrop yeah. sparkle on the inside of her thigh. That's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but but you're totally right. That is supported by the text. 
I think that there is a little bit of vagueness intentionally in this song. Yeah. But you're totally right. You know, yeah, yeah maybe he's gone to the strip club after after work. Staring through the smoke haze, plaid shirts in the night. Oh, my God. Staring through the smoke haze, plaid shirts in the night. Plaid shirt is another reference to, to the working class. To the working class. man, yeah. And Scotland. Oh, a Scottish sex worker. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Wearing nothing but a kilt. I can toss your caber. <laughs> oh, meet my friend Angus. <laughs> Let me squeeze your pipes. <laughs> well, I'm making sure that everything is zipped up tight. Oh, hilarious. Well, I'm making sure that everything is zipped up tight. He's got to check himself to make sure he's not selling hot dogs without a license. <laughs> Who's that jumping on the table? Putting tonic in my gin, brushing silken dollars on our cold white skin. So it could be, to your point, that this is an erotic dancer. Mm. And I think that sometimes there are situations where either the reality or the fantasy is such that, ah, this person is in this role but there's other services that are offered that are not overtly being sold on the menu, quote unquote. Right, it's the secret menu, yeah. It's like the massage parlor where this is the service, but if you ask, if you know what to ask for, you might get other things. Right. I never know what to ask for. So I ask for everything. <laughs> Can I have a salty blunderbuss? Oh, that's not something you, oh, okay. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'd like, I'd like a cherry red Ferrari garage. No, oh, that's not, that's not, that's not the right. Okay, okay, just, just regular massage will be fine. Pull out your notebook of all the different lines. <laughs> okay, I, that would be. I say letters from the alphabet. <laughs> I keep combining random six letters. Very dangerous. Perfect. Massage parlor roulette. This reminds me. You remember Gordy Boudreau at the yes, Renaissance Festival? Of course, yeah. This is one of my favorite jokes ever, 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 ever. He used to play a beggar named Scratch mm-hmm. in one of the scenarios when, you know, the whole court was there. It'd be sort of, it was the beginning of the day and people would be introducing various bits. And it was usually kind of a, a way to hawk various entertainment offerings to the public. But there'd be other bits that would be fun. He would do a bit where he would come running down. He would say, your majesty, your majesty, I have an announcement to make. I have an announcement. Please let me, let me speak. And she said, oh, right. Yes, beggar man, please say what you must. And he would say, I just want to let everybody know that the ice cream shop on the main street is now a whorehouse. And everyone would laugh. And, but that wasn't the joke. And he would say, <laughs> he would get a little quieter and say, I just wish I had known that before I ordered the double Dutch fudge blaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then everyone would roar with laughter and he'd walk off. But I just, oh God, this reminds me of that. Anyway. Yes. So I feel like there's an implication of, is she serving drinks and giving him the eye? Like, oh, I can serve mm. you more than drinks. Is it an erotic dancer who's saying, oh, stay after the show? Mm. Yeah. Or is it a sex worker who's plying her trade and just soliciting? Yeah. Now, here's a thought. I'm listening. Could our narrator be the sex worker? <sighs> Starting work on the late shift. He works the late shift, which is sex working the late shift, and he drinks during his shift. I love that interpretation, and I think it is 100% wrong, but I love the exercise of it. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of a Sting song. Here we go again. Everybody take a shot. <laughs> it's not kids. <laughs> Tomorrow We'll See by Sting on the Brand New Day album Okay, is... From the perspective of a sex worker walking the streets, sung by Sting. He is in the persona of the sex worker. And it is brilliant. It's a great song. Okay. And it talks about the danger and the, and the you know, if I die, nobody would, who, who would care, but I still have to earn my money. It's, it's really great. I love that interpretation, Nick. And I think it's it's great to look at this from this perspective, but I think it's more supported to say that he is the, he is a red-blooded American who's got blood flowing in one spot. In his pants. She could have been the sweet 17 there again. Well, so could I. She could have been the sweet 17. 
Now, Nick, can we get ourselves out of a potential lawsuit moment with this, or are we headed straight for statutory town? Well, there's a statutory of limitations, so it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think think it's difficult to explain this away because I think the then again— so could I. We're seeing this this juxtaposition. Our our goal line is 17, right? I could have been 17, but I'm <laughs> over. So if I lied and said I was less than, I'd be 17. She could have been 17, and if she lied, she'd be a little bit older and say she was 17. Yeah, I think it's. I think yeah. you have to meet in the middle. I don't think it's. They're both lying that they're they're not as old as they look. I think I, I have a way out of this, and I, I think you're on the right track. I think he's saying she could have been sweet 17 and there again, well, so could I, meaning he's definitely not. Right. And so he, it's almost saying like, yeah, yeah, and I'm the queen of England. Right. She's presenting herself as, oh, I'm this young girl. She's fully oh, 41 oh, years oh, old. Oh, oh, okay. Saying if you're 17, yeah, so then so am I, darling. I like that. Yeah. She's serving the fantasy. And that is something common within the sex working community because there is a tendency for the Johns to want the fantasy of being with a young, a younger girl. Yeah, and so you know that's where you get the pigtails and the, the schoolgirl skirts and all those other things that are arriving by Amazon to my door uh, tomorrow for your Halloween costume. Oh yeah! Oh, oh yes, for <laughs> Halloween. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I I happen to have one for every day leading up to Halloween, but the Halloween one's going to be great. I promise you. And every day after. <laughs> Actually, so I, we unfortunately had to not go to this party because of me having to come to Upstate New York suddenly. But Katie and I were going to go to a Halloween party that her friend froze every year, which is really great. And the theme was '80s slasher films. Mm, and we we're like, nice. oh my God, what are we going to wear? We decided. I was like, there's all these films about like prom. Mm-hmm. So what if we went as two prom queens and we ended up, so I found some great dresses, some like 80s dresses, mm-hmm. and she was going to go as the elected prom queen that got murdered and I was going to be the the girl who stole her crown. <laughs> That's great. It's really fun. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll wear the dresses at some point. Mine is so slutty and I love it. Sure it is. Just Googled slutty prom queen. Yeah. Yeah. There was a teardrop sparkle on the inside of her thigh. There was a teardrop sparkle on the inside of her thigh. As you you mentioned, that does kind of imply a costuming aspect, but also a teardrop. Perhaps this is a little bit of the that eighties, you know, pretty woman vibe of oh, I want to take you away from all this, like an implication of oh, you must be so sad that you're a prostitute. Maybe she's not. Yeah. I think it's a couple of different things. It reads as tattoo to me almost, but there's no like, it wouldn't sparkle. The other thing is there's mm. there's some sort of, what's it called? Spangling or, or bedazzling. Bedazzling? Sort of bedazzling down there to draw the eye, you know? It's like, oh, shiny. Yeah. 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 Well, and then the next couple of lines, going to fetch myself a cold beer. I've got to get a grip. Find some place to touch down. Find a landing strip. That's a little bit of a implication. Very much so, yeah. I won't let it move me, but I can't keep still. Could you meet the eyes of a working girl? Can you meet the eyes of a working girl undressed to kill? Right, I wanted to point that out. So we have the tail end is, for the first two verses, is could. This one is can. And then the last one is couldn't. Couldn't. What's your read on that? We're moving in time. Could you is future tense. Will you be able to? Will you be able to? Can is present. Can you do this? Can you meet the eyes right now? Can I do it? Couldn't is like past tense. I I couldn't do it. Brief span of time in this song. Yes. And then we get to the last verse, which takes us to the the event being in the past. Last one out is a cold duck paddling down the road. I wait outside my motor running. I got a warm dream to unload. That's wow. the most graphic we get here. Yeah. Well, and even my motor running. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So he leaves. He leaves the establishment. Mm. 
either in shame for not having been able to strike up a conversation with this person Mm -hmm. or to escape or knowing that he, if he stayed, he would end up striking up a conversation, engaging with this person. Yeah. Can I face her in the sunshine, in the harsh real light of day? She walks out with recognition in her eyes. I look away. Can I face her in the sunshine, in the harsh real light of day? She walks out with recognition in her eyes. I look away. I love that all of Ian's songs about women are, and then I couldn't do anything (laughs) and I left. It's so relatable. Is it beer goggles? Is it, I didn't have the stones to do it? Is it just reality hit a little too hard? In the darkness and the haze, you're, you're like, you've got that courage. Yeah, it's all of that. I think it's in that situation, he starts thinking to himself, oh my gosh, should I talk to and then have sex with a prostitute? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally could. I'm going to totally do it. I have to leave right now. Goodbye. But he's still he's there until she comes out so like he's still thinking about it he's still considering it until the moment he looks away yes and that could be one of two things one is like you say just some fresh air sobered him up and he was like no no this isn't who i am this isn't what i want i need i need to go home and sleep the other perhaps less savory interpretation um reminds me of an old persian saying which is you should never by cloth or choose a lover by lantern light. That sounds so Persian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it's really true about the fabric. If you ever buy fabric, you really need to see it in natural light because yeah. otherwise you just don't know what it looks like. And you get it home, and you're like, well, this isn't the color that I need from this thing. Right. Why do you think Abercrombie so, and Fitch was nothing but darkness? Well, that was to hide the sexploitation of the CEO. That's what that was. You're right. Of the young male models. Do you remember hearing about that? Yeah. Wasn't Ryan Gosling a, a Abercrombie model? There were a couple people that are like big now that went through that. Yeah. But it could be that he was engaged with the fantasy of being attracted to this person. And then outside of that context, maybe that was the confirmation he needed of like, am I really attracted to this person? Let me just see if I can see them outside. Okay. Confirmed that. No, I'm not really. Or oh my God, confirmed that, yeah, I really am and I have to leave immediately. Yeah. Or maybe he's just waiting there because he finds it very difficult to drive with a raging erection. (laughs) Something's blocking my view. I can't. The stick shift is, it's just not working. Oh, try harder. I keep shifting it, but I... (laughs) (laughs) I need a mechanic. She walks out with the recognition. Won't let it move me, but I can't sit still couldn't meet the eyes of a working girl undressed to kill. Couldn't do it. Undressed to kill. Have you ever considered indulging in the wares of a sex worker? If not, I wouldn't know where to find one if I <laughs> if I wanted to. I wouldn't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> yeah, no, never once considered it. It's the same thing about like drugs. If I wanted to dabble in in recreational Drug paraphernalia. I wouldn't know where to get it. I wouldn't know how to do it. I don't even know how to do a drug. (laughs) And that's the only thing stopping me. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I have never. So I went to, I went to, I lived in Amsterdam, as you recall, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for a little while. And they had famously, they're they're kind of shutting it down. Amsterdam? They're, they're, yes, in Amsterdam, they are. Security of Amsterdam. They're shutting it down. What? They're shutting the Amsterdam's over. Done. They're regulating harshly the sex work that happens in Amsterdam these days. But when I was there, they still had a, a pretty robust red light district. And I was curious. My curiosity was really strong. And so I, the thing that I was curious to know was if I go and see, because I, I had never seen a prostitute to my knowledge. So I was like, if I go to the red light district, will I be tempted I wanted that self-knowledge. Yeah. And there was very little risk of me actually engaging with the sex worker because I had no money. Because <laughs> I was wearing a suit of armor. <laughs> I was wearing a suit of armor called brokenness. 
But I went and it was really fascinating. And I found that I was not aroused by the ladies in the windows. The thing that surprised me was the banality of it all. There was somebody, I remember seeing somebody, because yeah. the whole thing with, with Amsterdam, the red light district, is they have these, these lit up windows and the sex workers stand in the windows and as you can, it's as if you can browse or whatever. Peruse the wear, yeah. But it was like, you know, watching people at the Home Depot. Yeah. One lady was eating a sandwich. One lady was, you know, playing on her phone or doing her nails. And it was just like, oh, these people are, it's not sexy. It's not like a sexy, yeah. sexy environment. It's just, it's like anything else. They weren't trying terribly hard. Well, they didn't need to. Yeah, fair enough. Right. To be fair, it was 11 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Everybody so maybe the vibe would... <laughs> if they'd been dressed up like nuns, then you would have been golden. <laughs> that would have gotten me there. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. For I'm sinning right now! <laughs> for I want to sin with you. But, you know, maybe the vibe would be different in the evening. Maybe it's a more festive environment. But, you know, it, I found it, it was a big realization to me of like, oh, the romanticism around this is only something that has ever existed in, like, movies and my mind. It's like going to a casino. Like, when you go to a casino, you're not James Bond. You're going to see someone's grandmother on a tank of oxygen smoking and spending her life savings. Yeah. It's not sexy. Yeah. Nick, what are we talking about next week here on the pod? Next week, track five. We are on the final track off of side A, for those of you still using vinyl. It is the titular track, in fact. It is Rock Island. Rock Island! Oh! Yeah. Rock Island! Savage night on a misty island. Light winks out in the canyon walls. Two old boys and a stolen face. Black rubber cutters in the halls. Until next week, if you want to be dressed to kill, why not purchase from our Tee Public site the brand new, gloriously colored tie-dye merch t-shirt. Get in on it with the new Feckless logo, in fact. It looks great. It does, yeah. You get the Feckless logo, you can get the OGJT, you can get the Tull Skull. I just got a new Tull Skull for Rook. He had the OGJT. He grew out of it. He wanted a Tull Skull for his next Tull shirt. So he's got a Tull Skull shirt. It's fashion conscious. Yeah. There are five teardrops sparkling on the inside of my thigh, and I would like you to put them <laughs> on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, in fact. I have tattooed every star that we have received onto my body, mm -hmm. and I have more space. He's left his thighs open. Your stars could be those. <laughs> Get in on that. My thighs are always open. <laughs> <laughs> open for business. Until next week, I am the tap water in your gin, Nick McGill. I am brushing silken dollars, Omen Thomas said. We are jumping on your table, the feckless momes. And can you face it in the sunshine? This is Talk Tall to Me. Oh, all right. OSHA <sighs> mandated break. All right. You want uh, your regular two lumps? Yeah, please. I could definitely use a pick-me-up. I am so exhausted. You know, Tuesdays are hard. I they get, like, it's like they're bored by the time Tuesday rolls around. So they're really I know, asking for I know. the crazy stuff that John I just had. What did he want? Wanted both the trickster and the mistletoe. Wow. No wonder you're exhausted. I'm whooped. Why don't you rest your feet? You know, I, Thank you. I had, I don't know what's going on. I, it's like they all talk to each other because there were three guys in a row mm -hmm. who wanted to see my Paradise's Steakhouse. Really? Yeah, they settled for a backdoor angel, but I was like, look, my insurance isn't that good. It's not worth the risk for me. Wow, that's very strange. I was 
this is kind of embarrassing. I was requested to uh, examine Roland's entry. I definitely denied wow. that one. He did not want to pay extra. You don't want to pay extra. You know, that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to grab my taxi, then it's going to cost you. I don't, I don't understand why people just, they don't seem to understand. You know, I say up front, a Big Dipper is 100. Yeah. If you want your small cigar in my salamander's ragtime, then it's going to be 250. If you want to drink from my cup of wonder, it's 300. These are the prices. It's all very clear. This is a high-class establishment. I don't know why they think that they can bargain, but the price for the Rattlesnake Trail is non-negotiable. No, I. you know what it is? It's because of all of the, the new houses that have opened up. Have you been down to Broadford Bazaar? No, no, I haven't been down there yet. They do horse hoeing husbandry down there. Do they really? They do, and it's taking down the trade as a as a whole. It's lowering the bar for sure. Yeah, it really is. But I, you know, I think this is an opportunity where we can say, like, listen, if you want just like the bottom of the barrel stuff over there, go visit the Dark Ages. But for something like, if you want a Flying Dutchman, you got to pay for the high quality. Oh my gosh! You know, I actually love doing a Flying Dutchman. Really? Yeah. You know, it, it's intensive work. Yeah. But you know. The pay is good. You're in the lap of luxury. It's valid. Very, very valid. Yeah. Have you been visited by the wheat five kings? <laughs> it's been a while since those weirdos came back. Yeah. They want to pay as a single unit. But, I mean, they're not. It's five people. You got to pay for five people. I it's told five Good people. Godmother about that, and she booted them. That's good. That's good. One time before we had that policy in place, I gave each of them a steel monkey. Mm-hmm. And I had to take the next day off. I was just too tired. It's exhausting. It's like, where did Saturday go? I think we got to kind of clean up the acts here. Some of, some of the other girls, you know. Yeah. Some of the other girls are totally willing to go up the pool. Do you know who did the other day? I did hear about this. I did hear about this. Dharma, for one. With the fat man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're not living in the past anymore. Listen, I've been down to Dr. Bogenrub before. Yeah. After having made a mistake. Right. Thank goodness he makes house calls. Now, listen, I, I can't be singing all day. I really got to end this break. I got to end my shift. But I, I do want you to know my quinceanera is still on, and I'd, I'd really like you to come to that. Oh, is that down at Glory Row? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, anything to bring? You know, I'm, I'm asking for, like, donations to charity, but... Sure, yeah. I would love... I know you've got connections. I would love a podcast. Do you know my cousin? My cousin has a podcast. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go after work. Okay. I know that our third hurrah is just about to start. Mm -hmm. But I'll go and ask if they can get talk tall to me for your party. Really? You would do that for me? Yeah. Oh yeah. For you, girl, absolutely. You know what, Sausity? You're a woman. I'd like two fingers. Hey, hey, buddy, lick your fingers clean. Come on. Let's be reasonable. You call that a big dipper? All right, so my last job is for Michael Collins, Jeffrey, and me, so... <laughs>